This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to For Your Benefit, presented by NITP, the federal leader in retirement planning seminars, sponsored by WEPA. Join NITP for an hour of plain talk on planning your future. You've got questions, they've got answers. Welcome to today's February 27th, 2023, For Your Benefit radio show. My name is Bob Lines, and we have a guest today, as we normally do. And today's guest is Brian Kurz, certified financial planner, fellow seminar presenter, and is able to make sometimes a hard-to-understand financial planning very easy to understand. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. Great to be back on and ready to talk some retirement planning. Okay, so I guess, you know, the overall, if we had to look at this and give it a title, I said, when can I retire? Will I have enough money? And clearly, you'll have all the answers to that, Brian, <laughs> in a lesson in presentation. <laughs> anyway, so, um, you know, I guess one of the easy things to look at and the hard to answer is, have I saved enough for retirement? And I suppose that, that uh, you know, is better responded to if I got one year before retirement. Uh, a little tight potentially or uh, uh, late mid-career when does when does somebody really need to start looking at this and you, know, you might even say the first job they get but I, I doubt that's the answer yeah i would say the earlier the better uh obviously the closer you are to retirement you're gonna have a better picture of your retirement expenses and exactly what you need the problem is we don't have that much time at that point if we realize there's a big mistake there and and our thinking if we realize that we need to save a lot more uh well we've lost one of our biggest assets which is time the ability to get money invested growing compounded over years so i want to start as early as possible when we're teaching the retirement courses and we're going through early career i still stress the importance of getting on top of and tracking things very early on now that range of outcomes based on high returns, lower returns, if I can increase my contributions a little more each year, et cetera, it is pretty wide. It's pretty wide when you start early, but at least you're getting in the ballpark of where you may wind up. And then the good thing is, if you're starting early, that every single year, it's starting to come to life. You're not projecting what you earned last year. You can see what you actually earned last year. So the number of years we have to project out becomes less. The numbers in terms of how we've gotten here become real. And that range of outcomes begins to narrow. Uh, And then you'll see that. You'll see that if you're going through projections, ideally at least on an annual basis, for where you may wind up in terms of your thrift savings plan balance, in terms of your first social security in terms of your other assets that you'll have in retirement. And that will really help you to figure out if you have saved enough, if you've been going through proper planning along the way. Do you find that working with um, new clients, um, do you do you find that they have some savings, but could use more or they don't have a whole lot of savings and savings isn't just putting money in the checking account what now this is savings that you don't touch until you do retire and then even then you have to be sober with the distributions but um is there a common denominator there i imagine some come in well prepared but i'd imagine most with all due respects um you know don't fully get time value of money yeah I, I, it definitely varies a lot. Uh, there, you know, there are people that unfortunately haven't been saving a lot. They're putting all their money into their their vehicles and their current expenses, and they get close to retirement and kind of want to retire, but don't really think about or know where the money's going to come from. You've got people on the other end of the spectrum that have more than enough in terms of assets, uh, but are still concerned about running out of money when. There's virtually no scenarios where that could happen. So really clients come on all ends of the spectrum. When I'm working with people, a lot of times during their career, you know, if it's mid late career, I do see that they have a good amount saved already. 
Uh, fortunately, the federal government sets up a nice program and makes it very attractive to save within TSP. So we'll, we'll see a good amount in retirement savings uh, that certainly can vary from person to person. But the question is with lifestyles that can also be expensive, will that be enough or not? Uh, and a lot of times that will come down to some of the, the underlying math in terms of how much we're going to be spending in retirement and is that too high of a withdrawal rate uh, because we can have a lot saved going into retirement but if we have a really expensive lifestyle and you know we're spending down a huge chunk of those assets each year then unfortunately we're we're likely not going to have enough long term and when you get that message across you know if i was sitting on the other side of the table i'd say well uh, you know, I, I've got five years left or I've got 10 years left, you know, whatever, whatever the number is, is there hope for me? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, I tell clients for the retirement planning, there's really three big variables. Uh, and then of course we can change the output, what we're going to need at the end. Uh, but those big variables are how much are you investing? Uh, so obviously just increasing what we're putting in our TSP every pay period, increasing what we're putting towards savings, that goes a huge, uh, huge way towards our retirement goals. So the higher we can invest, uh, uh, that's you know, going to give us a lot more down the road. Second being that rate of return, you know, making sure that our TSP is allocated appropriately. That obviously matters a lot as well. But that third component is time, power of time and compounding, how long we're investing for. I'd rather leave the third variable, you know, try to maximize the first two. And then if I want to work longer, I, I do, but it's because I want to rather than I need to, but I'll, I'll leave that time as the third variable in that process to make sure everything lines up. Uh, and then if it doesn't work out, well, I either have to work longer or I need to change the output. I need to change how much I need by figuring out a way that I'll live off of less in retirement. So I would guess when you talk with um, clients, um, they come in they come in different uh, knowledge groups. Uh, you know, smart, nice people, but uh, financial planning was not their priority. Then midway through, somebody might say, "Well, I, I'm 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 conversant on, but I you know I don't know which way to go." And then closer to retirement, um, it'd probably be pretty hard to catch up. Uh, so you know, let's let's go through that. So you're talking to a group that maybe have five, ten years um, with Uncle. What do you find that they don't really get, or maybe they get everything after you explain it? So what are the basics that they that they need to understand? Again, this is early on in the career. Now somebody's going to say ten years isn't early on, but if you're going to work thirty years, it's it's somewhat yeah. soon. I mean, I I think what everyone gets is that they need to save for retirement, what they don't necessarily get is how much. Uh, and that's what I try to help break down. And I really emphasize the use of calculators, retirement planning software. Uh, going through a detailed retirement plan is the best way to do it. It'll look at everything. We can see our year over year projected income needs in retirement, what assets we'll have, income sources, and how it all nets out. But I'll tell people on our uh, seminars, you know, if you haven't gotten around to that, that's okay. Uh, I want you to at least kind of wrap your head around the process so that you can start figuring out if you're in the right ballpark or not. Uh, there's been a lot of talk you know, about the 4% the rule as a safe withdrawal rate, if it'll still work. And that's based on looking at you know, portfolio of half stock index, half bond index, and pulling out 4% a year, adjusting for inflation each year moving forward. That's never had a scenario where we would have run out of money in 30 years. Uh, does that guarantee us that it'll work for the next 30 years? Absolutely not. Uh, but I think for someone trying to wrap their head around these concepts, it's a good starting point where you know we're looking at growing our TSP and other assets. If we were to get to this projected number on our TSP calculators, then we pull out 4% a year from that. Is that going to be enough to replace 70 to 80% of our income on average when we add it to our FERS annuity, uh, to our social security and our other income sources? Uh, and I think that's really the, the big question that we 
want to think about is what's going to be coming in, how much are we going to potentially need, and then can we withdraw from assets at around 4% to cover the gap? Uh, so just going through that process, I think, is really important to help people prepare for retirement and kind of wrap their head around the process of what may be coming in, what's going out, and how much money I need as a result. Okay, so if if um, you're working with somebody, and let's say that you know they're somewhat new to the game, and maybe they're ten years out, and when you talk about a million dollars, it's an awful lot of money. But the million dollars has got to take you together with your federal annuity and/or Social Security. Um, do you find that sometimes the that's not enough to get them? Um, Again, this is the assumption of a million dollars, and not everybody's going to have the million. They might have five hundred thousand. They might have four million. Um, when yep. do you find there's kind of like a sweet spot that they can understand it? Because it's culture shock. You're talking about a seven-figure number, and if I haven't been, you know, if I haven't been uh, having enough TSP withholdings, I go ooh. Yeah, and I do get that question a lot. Is you know, is a million enough? Is two million enough? How much should we all have saved? There really is no magic number that you can throw out for everyone and say, this is how much you need. What I tell them to focus on is that withdrawal rate. Uh, the fact of the matter is you could have $2 million saved up in TSP and other assets. But if you have an expensive lifestyle and you're withdrawing $200,000 a year, well, two hundred dollars out of $2 million, that's a 10% withdrawal rate. And that's way too high. I can be pretty certain that that person is going to run out of money, likely run out of money before they get to life expectancy in most situations if they're retiring at a normal age uh, for retirement versus I could have someone with well under a million dollars in their TSP. But if they have a pretty inexpensive lifestyle and they are living off of their FERS annuity and Social Security, well, at that point, then the TSP becomes one giant extension of their emergency fund that they may not really need to tap into unless some unusual expenses come up. So if, if they can avoid a lot of large unplanned expenses, you know, their day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year normal expenses to live will be covered under those income sources. So they're, they're going to be just fine. Uh, so here you have people with very different TSP balances that are in different situations here as a result of all the underlying metrics. Okay, Andrew says it's time to take a break, but when we come back from the break, let's uh, spend a little time with somebody that's been fortunate enough to put away substantial money. Not everybody's gonna be able to put the million or $2 million away, but it might be 500, 600. But you know, how does, how does somebody get a grip on that? Um, not to get overly technical with it, uh, but to, uh, make their eyes wide open. But anyway, let's take a break. And the sponsor of the show, WEPA, has a message. Times have changed, but WEPA's mission remains the same, to promote the health, welfare, and financial well-being of civilian federal employees. WEPA offers group term life insurance to civilian federal employees with up to $1.5 million in coverage, regardless of salary. As a WEPA member, you can access exclusive rates and benefits not available to the general public. How does this compare to Fegley? Unlike Fegley, WEPA's coverage amounts are not capped by your salary. WEPA will cover your family as well. For your children, WEPA offers double the benefits that Fegley offers. And for your spouse, WEPA offers 20 times more coverage than Fegley. 20 times more coverage! WEPA's coverage is also portable if you decide to leave the federal government or retire. You can even supplement or replace your existing policy. See how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. All righty. Andrew, thank you. We're back again listening to the velvet tones of Brian Kurz telling us how we can uh, rewrite the ship if we're off the tracks a little bit. But even if we're on the tracks, we have uh, guidance for those folks as well. So uh, let me get back in the car and you you steer. All right. (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah. So, I mean, we had left off. uh, I was covering a lot there in terms of, you know, the person with 2 million may not have enough. The person with only a couple hundred K may be just 
fine. Again, that's that's really just one part of the total equation. I really, I really try to get uh, clients and you know, federal employees in our webinars to think about what's coming in those income sources, what we call secure income, the money we're not planning to outlive or can't outlive in terms of FERS annuity, social security, that's our base. And then thinking about what the, the need will be. Uh, and you can calculate your retirement income need in a couple ways. The example I just threw out, 70 to 80%, uh, that is what most experts will recommend as a, as a starting point. I think that works well. I'd say early career, early mid-career. You know, that early career person says, I have no idea what my retirement budget's going to be. Well, to them, I'd say, let's start at 70, 80%. When I get a little closer to retirement, then I could start formulating an actual retirement budget. You know, if what's coming in is what's getting spent, you know, maybe I even start with my take-home pay as my assumes retirement income need, something along those lines, and I start making tweaks. So that that actual retirement income need will be revised, will be more accurate as you get closer. But again, I don't want to wait until I know exactly what I need to start retirement planning. So I'd rather start early. I'll use 70 to 80% of income if needed. Hopefully that's a little bit of a high estimate, but we'll we'll see. Uh, and then kind of base off of that, uh, what I think that possible gap could be between income needs and income sources, and then use that to figure out how much I'll need to have saved so that I can only access about 4% per year in retirement. And that way I'm setting up a sustainable withdrawal with method so that I'm not running out of money. And, that, and that's the big concern, obviously, that we have is that we're withdrawing too much, we run out of money, and then, uh-oh, what do we do from there? So I, I just want to make sure that I'm not pulling out too much in the early years of retirement. Okay, great, because a question just came in, just, just exactly pretty much what you're talking about, and here it is. <clears throat> Isn't it nearly impossible to have a long-term retirement when long-term care, housing, and doctor bills are steadily increasing? is being a millionaire enough? So. Yeah, great question. Uh, well, when I think of one of the things that can derail our retirement plans, long-term care expenses is unfortunately one of the big ones. You know, We've insured against most things that can cause what we consider a catastrophic loss, a claim of 100K or more. You know, we're, we're insured in terms of our house burns down, we're in an auto accident, you know, things of that nature, we've got insurance for that. Uh, if we go to the hospital, if we've got uh, medical bills, then we've got insurance for that. But what if we just need to go into a nursing home, assisted living facility, have a home health care aid in our home, the cost associated with that care, 70, 80, 90, 100K plus a year, sometimes for several years. Uh, so that certainly can, unfortunately, deplete one's assets. Uh, I'll tell clients, you, we either need to self-insure and you really need to have a bucket of money for that potential long-term care bill on top of everything else, or look to shift some of that risk to an insurance provider. Now, the number of available long-term care providers has significantly diminished. I mean, the Fed just paused their long-term care plan in December for 24 months. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if that resumes at the end of 2024 or not. Uh, what a lot of the private insurance carriers have done is they've begun offering life insurance policies that can be used for long-term care expenses and things like that. Uh, they provide good benefits and coverage for long-term care, but it can also be expensive. Uh, so unfortunately, there's no cheap way to go about protecting yourself from long-term care expenses, but it is something that can wind up being quite expensive. And I, I want clients to be aware of a long-term care bill and how it could impact things. You know, when I'm running a retirement plan, a lot of times we'll show it without a long-term care bill, then we'll throw one in there for one or both spouses and then see how well things will hold up. Uh, so it is certainly something that can derail our retirement plans. It's something we need to be aware of. Uh, and at least have a plan how we would potentially address it. Uh, as far as the, you know, is, is being a millionaire enough, again, it all depends on the underlying metrics. Maybe the retirement plan worked without the long-term care bill, but you throw that in there and all of a sudden it doesn't. Uh, so may need a little bit more save to cover that. 
you know, also in those scenarios where unfortunately people do run out of money, uh, they're not just getting thrown out on the street. You will have Medicaid covering long-term care bills in those instances, but that's generally after we've depleted our income and assets to the state required level, uh, which is certainly something that we would rather avoid if possible. Very good. Well, your comments parallel what the next question that came in is. Here we go. How can one have a strategy on applying for Social Security when one doesn't know the rules? We have no idea if there will be an across-the-board cut in 2034. And let's talk about 2034 in a minute. What's uh, substantial about that? And then this is the law, and unless Congress acts, we will all have smaller benefits. Any suggestions? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the, the first part, the 2034, is referring to when our Social Security trust fund will be depleted. Uh, that does not mean that Social Security would just run out. New tax inflows are projected to cover about 75 cents on the dollar for social security benefits. So from everything that I've, and I've actually seen that projected out through the end of the century, you know, sure those are projections, they could wind up being off, uh, but that, that gap, that 25% give or take really doesn't vary that much when you project all the way out. It's not getting bigger every year. It actually gets a little smaller when you look out towards uh, the end of the century. So, First off, about 75% of Social Security needs should be there from new tax inflows. So Social Security isn't just going to drop off or go away. If absolutely nothing were done, then that would represent a benefit reduction of roughly 25%. And from everything that I've seen politically on either side, uh, it hasn't really ever appeared, um, hasn't really appeared very, uh, to have much interest, I'll say, to just slash benefits for you know, retired individuals that are some of them living off of social security, needing it to put food on the table, cover their rent or mortgage payment, et cetera. So I think the closer you are to receiving benefits or for people that are receiving benefits already, I really don't expect much in terms of changes. In terms of covering the shortfall down the road, I think it's more likely there would be changes. I've seen some numbers run in terms of tweaking a couple different areas. Uh, one, you know, as people have continued to live longer, we've already seen the normal retirement age go from 65 to 67. That could get adjusted to anywhere from 68 to 70 as a normal retirement age. And I think the further away you are, the more likely it is something like that could be implemented. I've also just seen if you raise the income threshold or increase the taxation rate slightly, one of those or really all three of those in combination, pretty small tweaks could put the system back on track. Now, anytime you're talking about raising taxes anyway, that'll uh, certainly not be popular uh, with a lot of people, uh, but there are solutions there. So I certainly expect Social Security to be there in a fairly similar form to what it is today, yet it is also a problem in terms of what's going to happen with the trust fund. Uh, won't be surprised if, much like our national deficit, it just kind of continues to get pushed down the road uh, and doesn't really get addressed until the last possible minute. Uh, but that said, I do think we can plan on Social Security. If we want to maybe scale back or even assume some cuts in our projections to as a kind of safe analysis for retirement planning, I think that's fine. Uh, I never have a problem with being more conservative with retirement projections for things that could happen. But in terms of what I actually think will happen, I don't think there's maybe as much risk there as some people are thinking who just think, oh, it's not going to exist in 10 years and things like that. All right. Here's, here's another question that came in. Um, many federal employees are anxious to retire or switch jobs as soon as possible. The question is, what are we running from? but rather to, probably shouldn't say running. <laughs> Why are we moving from, but rather to? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are, are we running or not? Um, no. Well, I do meet with a lot of federal employees who are approaching retirement. You know, I Again, I recommend the early career to start looking at this. 
but you know, to be honest, a lot of the clients that I'm running retirement plans for that are coming to us, they're late career uh, and they want to know, you know, is, is everything online um, and to retire or not? And one of the big parts of that process is, you know, well, I'm going to be eligible to, I'm going to be eligible to switch to another job, uh, leave the federal government. Should I do that? Uh, obviously there's, you know, job satisfaction and there are, I'd say some people that think they may prefer something in the private sector or just to change a scenery, et cetera. Uh, others, not necessarily they, you know, they're happy with what they're doing, but just maybe grass is greener from an income standpoint. You know, they look at what they could maybe make in the private sector and think that's better. So I do see various reasons why someone may consider something else. Uh, I'm here to help them analyze the financial side of things. And while a higher salary certainly can be more attractive, the question is, what are you giving up? Uh, and one of the biggest things that I, and this certainly goes full circle into the retirement planning, I'll even have retirement plans where we're kind of running it both ways. If, if we stay with the federal government versus taking this job in the private sector and, you know, if you leave, I think the biggest thing that people don't think about is what the pension difference may be. Now, if someone hasn't qualified for or kind of hit their full pension, then usually it doesn't make sense. I mean, the amount they would have to make in the private sector to give up uh, a big difference in their pension is a lot. Uh, now, let's say they're only looking at small bumps in their pension each year they stay with the government. It's still, that can still add up to be a, a healthy amount over time. So it's still worth looking at long-term projections to, to kind of put a value on what you're giving up with the pension. Then of course, there is the salary difference. Then of course there is, uh, if there's retirement matching, how that stacks up to TSP, things like that. Uh, so I really just try to tackle it from the financial standpoint, but all the other intangible things in terms of what you actually want to be doing day to day, you know, that certainly still matters as well. Very good. Um, I believe now um, we've got two more questions, but uh, interesting, the questions that came in very much parallel what you're saying. Folks, I promise you this wasn't pre-recorded, uh, pre if you will. Uh, this is live. All right. Question for the show. The G Fund is the most popular fund in the TSP for good reason. The Federal Reserve made it clear uh, where we go, uh, made it clear that rate hikes will continue until the inflation rate is 2%. What will happen to the stock market and unemployment rate if the Federal Reserve stays the course? <laughs> That's, uh, you know, that, that, I won't say it's out there. That's a great question, but it's, it's, it's not easy to answer, I'd imagine. Yeah, uh, well, I'd say, I'd say it's out there in the sense of every financial analyst, economist is actively debating this on a day-to-day -day basis you, know, you turn on any stock market show and what is the main headline uh well what is powell going to say next what is the next inflation reading going to mean what does that mean in terms of when the federal reserve may stop raising interest rates uh sure you know corporate earnings matter other economic factors matter uh you know the unemployment data jobs data when that comes out it matters but why does it matter because we're wondering how the Federal Reserve is going to react to it. So we've now for over a year uh, been anticipating what the Fed's going to do next, how it's going to impact the stock market. Are we heading into a recession as a result? How bad will it be? You know, this may ultimately be, you know, assuming we have a recession, the most anticipated recession of all time. Uh, so I can tell you the stock market itself is pricing all this in on a daily basis in terms of how far the Fed will go, what the risks are, when we may stop raising rates. You know, they have indicated a long-term target, 2% inflation rate. Uh, we'll see, I, I guess, if, if or when we do get back down to that, when exactly the Fed pauses. Uh, but I can tell you much of the debate over this and what it means for the stock market has already played out. It's very much the new data that will determine exactly where we go from here. Uh, so I'd say that in, in many ways, the market has gotten over the majority of its concerns from this, as we've now finally seen inflation start to come back down. Uh, although we've obviously had some high numbers in the last couple of weeks here, which have 
rock the market a bit again. Uh, but that, you know, that said, all I can tell you is the market has already been thinking about all of this and, and it does get priced in. We're not getting ahead of the curve, so to speak, in terms of stock market anticipating uh, all the elements to that question. Okay, I, I, I really like your explanation, but how does somebody come up with the proper response? Uh, you know, what you just said was great, but let's say I'm a little skittish about investing. I understand a little bit, so I buy, you know, some, um, you know, hard to lose uh, stock, uh, or I might want to invest in gold. But, you know, and once somebody starts doing this, and you might say at the age of 25, um, but not everybody's going to do it at the age of 25. So when does somebody start to get more serious about it and how then do they monitor keep you know the pedal to the metal or do they pull back when they have sufficient or do they have to step on the gas because they're inefficient yeah is that, is that good, somebody good like 35 question. or 40? i'm glad you asked that because you know <laughs> as you were asking that i was thinking about that i i focused on the core of the question but i didn't really address the beginning which was referring to the g fund being popular uh, so, you know, how do everything I was just talking about in terms of the market and all that, how do we actually, how does your everyday person apply that to how they should be investing their money? And as you were just saying, you know, put the pedal to the metal or not, uh, really all comes down to time horizon and risk tolerance. Uh, I would almost argue time horizon is the more important of the two, uh, but they're both, they both play a, a key role. If I've got a long time until I'm accessing the money, and you know we can loosely define here a long time as eight, ten years plus, et cetera, till I'm going to retire, then you know obviously I don't want to see the market crashing. But market may, you know, market going up and down day to day doesn't impact me too much. What matters most is what is that money worth when I actually need it, when I go to withdraw it in retirement. So I want to invest based on that time frame, and I don't want to be making big changes. I don't want to be moved, pulling everything out, putting it in the G fund, then trying to time the market and put it back in. I want to stick to this long-term strategy, which will typically involve more risk, more stock exposure, the further out that I am. And then I'm going to scale back and get more conservative as I get closer to retirement. Uh, and the reason I want to get more conservative as I get closer is because if I go through a big market crash at that point, well, I don't have as much time to recover. Uh, so I really just want to base my overall risk tolerance and time horizon to develop that allocation. And I don't want to worry too much about whether we're getting good news or bad news in the market right now, because that's not going to be impacting my long-term investment strategy. Wow. I think this is a good time for a break. That was, that was profound. And we'll listen to what, N what NITP can do for the listeners. Who do you trust when making your most important decisions? National Institute of Transition Planning has been the trusted source for federal retirement planning, serving new, mid-career, and pre-retirement federal employees for more than 30 years. NITP's subject matter experts bring more than 800 years of collective expertise on federal benefits, financial, transition, and estate planning. Visit NITPinc.com. That's NITPinc.com to sign up for their free monthly newsletter and information about free webinars. Are you at the mid-career stage of your federal career, or do you plan to retire in the next five years and wonder if you are prepared for retirement? No matter what career stage you are, it's never too early to dot the I's and cross the T's. NITP now offers online open enrollment training to help you understand your federal benefits package and financial planning options with tips and tools to plan and fine-tune your retirement planning goals. Visit NITPINC.com to download the current brochure and calendar. All righty, welcome back to the final leg of today's show, February 27th, 2023. Brian Kurse, Certified Financial Planner, fellow seminar presenter, has been tutoring us on how to better understand financial activities. <laughs> so what do we have, Andrew? Andrew says we've got, what, 19 minutes left? Yeah, Andrew says 19 minutes. He's the ever-efficient engineer. So, Brian, carry on the show, please. All right. Uh, yeah. In terms of one of the things I touched on a bit earlier, but I think is you're worth reviewing is what can derail your retirement plans. Uh, a possible long-term care bill is a big one. 
but I, I think the one of the other ones is just not running the numbers and having an accurate idea of what those income needs are going to be in retirement and how it lines up with your income sources. So, you know, as we're as we we're talking about earlier, I want to try to figure out what that gap is going to be. Uh, best case scenario, there's no gap. You know, when I come across someone, and when I say that, when I say no gap, what I mean is when I come across someone and they are able to live off of FERS annuity, social security, the money that's going to come in every month that they can't outlive, that's a very easy retirement plan. It makes my job very easy uh, because Again, all of those assets there can be one giant emergency fund. But for most of us, that's that's not the case. Uh, what we are going to need every month and is going to be higher than what we're going to have coming in from those pension or secure income sources. So I need to figure out what that gap looks like on a monthly basis, maybe translate that out uh, in terms of on an annual basis, and then figure out how much do I need in assets? Uh, and again, I, I want the asset to be one that I can withdraw from at, at around 4% or less uh, and that way to cover that gap. Uh, and that way I, I can project that it's something that'll last me till 90 plus in most situations. Uh, so I think going through that you know, type of planning is important while making sure that I'm also managing the risk uh, where, you know, as we were just talking about, uh, I, I can take more risk when I've got more time, but then as I approach and go into retirement, I need to get more conservative with my investments uh, as well. So doing the proper planning on that front as well. So when you meet with people, um, there's there's one group that probably aren't as, um, I won't call them as popular, there's just not as many of them. Uh, CSRS or CSRS offset you know, the old system, if you will, but they have the, mm -hmm. the, they have the same thing, but maybe they don't have the same size TSP. I, I don't know. What do you find in talking with them that they need to pay attention to, or are they on easy street because of their annuity? Yeah. And what else with the CSRS, what I would typically see is, larger pension benefits and smaller TSP balances as a result. And yeah, it's someone, obviously the larger pension balances is that's, you know, that makes them secure, but from an income standpoint, but with a lower TSP balance, there's maybe not as much liquid savings available. Uh, so I, you know, I think in those scenarios, paying attention to what liquid cash is on hand is important. Um, you know, flip side of that would be someone, someone who's maybe FERS, but looks at the TSP annuity. Uh, that's something, you know, as you probably know, we, we cover on the seminars is, you know, should we consider the TSP annuity or not? Uh, and what I'll tell the federal employees is it can be a good way to maybe use some of your TSP to bridge the gap. You know, if I'm trying to get from my income trying to get my income sources up to my income need so that I'm not as reliant on an account balance to get there, then I could use some of it. But the problem is we're converting these liquid TSP dollars into pension income. Uh, and there, there should be some a healthy balance there. So sometimes CSRS maybe doesn't have enough in just liquid dollars to cover emergencies and things like that. Uh, and the flip side of that would be someone who purchases a TSP annuity with a lot of their TSP. Well, we don't want to wind up in a scenario where we've got a nice monthly check, but I don't have a lot sitting in an actual account for any you know, one-time expenses that could come up, large expenses that could come up, things like that. So I, I do think it's, it's healthy to, to try to have a little balance between both. All right. You, you hit on something else and as you explain it I, I try to pretend i'm the listener which which is easy and say gee i think i'm i think i'm covered but you know what how do i know I, you know i've you know i've saved my money i put money in the tsp i've saved on on the side um you know uh, my my annuity is going to be subjected to how long i stay with the federal government 
you know, the longer I stay, the more I'm going to get. But somebody else might say, well, in order to get what, you know, I want to get, I have to work another 10 years. <laughs> so how do you <clears throat> how do you bring them down gently or just, you know, not bringing them down necessarily you might remind them that it's going to be a little different in retirement. Um, and, you know, and that's that's why they're that's why they're coming to you to ask the question. So what what maybe are the tougher questions you get? And you might say to yourself, I'm a little surprised you didn't know that. With all due respects to the individual, um, you know, I might be talking to an engineer and I don't have a clue what they're talking about when they talk about triangular reorganizations and the like. And they don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Then it's kind of nice because, you know, I'll say, could I ask a question now? <laughs> anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the biggest obstacles is trying to, again, I'm going to circle back to figuring out what the magic number is. And yeah, and you know, I said earlier, there is no magic number. And what I mean by that is there is no magic number for everyone that you can throw out and say, this is what everyone needs. On an individual basis, there certainly can be a magic number. You, know, you tell me, you give me the details for someone, their ages, when they're going to retire, uh, what their income need is going to be, show me their income sources, and I can run a plan that says, this is the number, this is what they should have saved to be able to have a safe retirement. Uh, so it very much varies on the individual, but I think trying to figure out what that number or what that you know, framework looks like is probably one of the biggest, toughest questions that people have or don't quite understand. Uh, again, the, the best way there's, I'd say there's kind of two ways to do this. It's really the same thing. We're just working it down in complexity, but the best way to go through everything would be a detailed retirement plan where again, you're going to get a, you're going to look at every single year, what that income need may be adjusted for inflation. Cause we know, you know, one of the biggest things that will go up are cost of living goods and services, et cetera. So whatever dollar amount we need on year one of retirement, we can assume that's going to go up every single year. Now, again, we do have those income sources, FERS annuity, Social Security. We can project that those will go up, cost of living adjustments along the way. Uh, and then we have the assets. Hopefully, our assets don't stop growing. Hopefully, we've got a rate of return that we can apply there. Uh, but the question is then, as we're withdrawing from those assets, depleting those assets to cover any gaps in our income needs, will it hit zero? So if I can really look at it and I will really from a client standpoint, if I can show them what those numbers look like every single year of retirement, then start changing variables and showing them how it impacts things. I think that's really where the light bulb turns on and they figure out how well covered they are for retirement. So I'd say that's, you know, that's the best step that someone can take is a detailed retirement analysis. But the, again, the step back from that would be the initial framework to, to really just think through what that income need could be, refine that, and it will be easier to refine as you get closer to retirement. Look at the income sources. Uh, those income sources will be adjusting as well. You know, we get our FERS annuity and social security projections. They are future value numbers, but they're going to change. They're going to change each year as inflation adjustments. They're going to change because your salary goes up. So they'll likely be getting higher each year as you get closer. Uh, so we can see what that looks like as well. Uh, and, you know, the closer we get to retirement, those numbers get more and more accurate as a, as a baseline. Uh, so I want to at least be thinking through the core concepts. And then ideally, when I get closer, going through looking at some of the actual numbers in more detail. When you, when you do these projections, do you ever look at, okay, they're going to retire at X date. And then for the first 10 years, this is what you should do. But as the money is being um, pulled out, if you will, during that 10 year period, there might be enough left in there to compensate for that and make up with rate of return that you don't really miss. But should people look at it every five years, every 10 years, every year? <laughs> I can imagine all the phone calls you get with that. But um, is, is it, you know, we all, a lot of people don't particularly like looking at the financial plans or maybe fully don't understand. You and I might understand, but uh, I wouldn't understand an engineer explaining to me the, the you know, the weight of um, rain on a bridge. And, and, you know, I wouldn't know that. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Well, like, like so many of these things, there's a number of different variables. So I'll have clients that are getting ready to retire in the next couple years. And we want to be very careful in terms of when they pull the trigger, make sure everything looks good and lines up. We may be looking at retirement projections today and then circling back in six months and revising. And over the next three years, you know, we're running a lot of different versions and variations versus I may have someone else who's got an idea they're going to retire in 10 to 15 years and we run a retirement plan, get some framework, uh, and then they may not circle back for five years uh, to look at the numbers again if everything else lined up really well in the first place. Uh, maybe five years is a bit much, but uh, at least a couple of years. So I don't think there's necessarily a set interval. Uh, what I'll tell your, you know, your, your everyday Fed employee in the seminars is you, know, you want to be tracking all of your assets, kind of taking hold of your net worth, uh, assets and liabilities, and look at that anywhere from quarterly to annually. As far as just running projections, what your TSP could be at retirement, I would typically try to do that at least once a year. Uh, to, again, see the progress that you're hopefully making, uh, see the path that you're on, just do it on an annual basis, if, if possible, I think would be ideal. All right, talking about when, when you do the webinars and the seminars that we do, do you ever get uh, questions where you say, gee, I thought everybody knew that, or somebody wants something very specific? And, you know, that's kind of hard to do because one person's idea of a, a, a question is totally different than the other 29 people in the room. So how do you uh, then approach all the people? Um, yeah, and, and, I mean, I think it depends. You know, if someone, maybe it's a question that applies to their situation, but could apply to everyone. Uh, so I'll try to frame it in that way. Yeah, if it is something very unique, you know, then that, is an unusual situation. I probably would just rather talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. But I mean, I, I think most questions that people have, while it's specific to them, it is something that a lot of other people can relate to. And it's you know, it's typically covering, when you boil it down, it's covering some of these big issues that we've talked about here. You know, how much, how much do I need to have saved for retirement? When can I retire? Should I be changing my investment allocation? Uh, and again, I, I want to think, kind of get down to basics with a lot of them when I'm thinking about how to answer those. All right, here, here's a reverse question. Somebody comes in to see you and you know that they got more than enough saved and they got more than enough in the annuity, but they can't spend it. You know, they're, they're, they're savers um, uh -huh. and they just can't do it. So then you, then you probably got an estate um, issue. So it, it isn't necessarily just finance in that case. I think that percentage of the folks that we all talk to is, is small uh, that's in that fortunate situation. So, you know, they're not necessarily going to spend the money just to, they might gift it. And I don't want to get into gift taxes and whatnot, but do you, do you ever meet with folks like that? Yeah, all the time. Uh, obviously it's a good problem to have the, you know, there's, there's the estate planning and tax element, and you know we'll certainly go through our strategies. Uh, hopefully, they're working with an estate planning attorney as well. Uh, so we want to maximize things from that standpoint. From an investment standpoint, it does begin to pose an interesting question where if someone's got more than enough uh, for what they could need, you know, should they be investing aggressively in stocks because they've got a long time horizon for most of this money, as in they're not going to need it? Uh, and they could afford to have a market drop and it's not going to impact their lifestyle or retirement negatively? Or should they be all be in cash because why do they need to take any extra risk? They've already got plenty there. Uh, so it's kind of, you could say it's the, the Warren Buffett dilemma. You know, should they be invested heavily in stocks or in, in cash? Well, you, could, you can kind of do whatever you want. Uh, so I, I really recommend thinking about the long-term use of that money. You know, if you're not spending it, who is it going to? What's the time horizon for that individual or charity or whoever it may be? And do you want to try to maximize returns and take some risk in the process? Or would you rather invest more safely? Uh, but it gives you, it certainly gives you more flexibility to essentially just to do, do what you want, invest how you want, as opposed to those much tighter scenarios where we're generally concerned, will there be enough or not? 
you know, one other thing I wanted to touch on uh, when I run the retirement projections, they don't always look good. They don't always show a lot of leftover money. Sometimes they show we're going to run out of money at 78 or 82 or something that can be a bit scary. And, you know, when I'm going through that retirement analysis, you know, I'll tell clients that the good news is, you know, you're not, you're not retiring today, going to wake up tomorrow and suddenly you're 82 and you're broke. You know, if, if this does play out in this way, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna see it coming. Uh, we're going to see it coming. We're going to be able to make changes along the way. Uh, and it's important to stay up with the planning in those scenarios, especially, uh, but we've generally got time. We've got time for good, for better, for worse to make changes if needed. All righty, Brian, we're, uh, running down to the final wire, um, phone number or website yeah. yeah phone number is 703-287-7139 uh, my website's just under my name it's www.briancurris.com and that's b-r-i-a-n and then it's k-u-r-r-u-s.com so briancurris.com and i've got all my contact info on there also got a lot of newsletters, videos, articles, financial calculators, a lot of helpful resources for the stuff we talked about today. Great. And phone number once again? Yep. 703-287-7139. And yeah, happy to talk with anyone on any questions they have from anything we've covered today. Okay. Andrew tells us we're uh, about running out of time. So final comments? Well, I uh, want to thank you for having me. It's been great to be on, as always. Uh, and I think we've covered some important things here. And, you know, final thoughts is just don't don't wait around to do your retirement planning. Look at things now. Even if you don't like what you see, you, you've still got some time on your side. And, and that's a very valuable resource to get things back on track and to know where you stand. You don't know where you stand until you look. All righty. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Andrew. And we'll great. be back thank next you. week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to For Your Benefit, presented by NITP and sponsored by WEPA. Please tune in next Monday at 10 a.m. for a topic solely devoted to you, the federal employee. This show can also be heard on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search For Your Benefit. Thanks for listening.